0: Following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. The verses that we're reading are one Samuel chapter seventeen, verses one through sixteen. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soca in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes and Demim between Soka and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was a son of the Ephrite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem and Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest sons followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. May God bless the reading of His word.
1: I'd like for you guys to just welcome, uh, Rogerio to the stage. Actually, his wife, Paula, spoke a couple of weeks ago. I know he loves, he always loves to claim her. Um, but, uh. <laughs> Um, he's recently um, really just been identified with just an anointing to be an elder in our church family. And I think today you're going to get a chance to begin to see that. And so he's going to be teaching us from this text today. So do I need to help you grab anything? No,
2: I I think I have everything. All right. And
1: most of the time he speaks with the guitar. Um, So using, not having an instrument in his hands, I think is, um, so if you feel like you need to grab the guitar to speak.
2: No, I think I'm fine today. Uh,
1: But good. But you guys, um, welcome him this morning.
2: Thank you, Gallery Church. Good morning. As Pastor Ellis said, my name is Rogério, I'm from Brazil, and I came to this beautiful country called United States to this beautiful city called Baltimore with my beautiful wife called Paula and my handsome son called Pedro. And I'm, we are really glad to be part of this family. And we are learning a lot here with you guys. We are learning how t- uh, the differences between our uh, backgrounds, our the difference between uh, our food, and we are loving it. So, yeah, we are learning so much here. But I'm really impressed how kids learn so fast. They're fast learners. And um, Pedro this week came to me and said, Daddy, Daddy, what I've done to you? with you, for you, this thing, uh, it's a bracelet, he said, you can use it, you can wear it, I so, it's fine, I'm gonna wear it today. <laughs> so he's learning so fast, and one of the things that I, I taught him, or I teach him, is how to turn on, the TV on, go to Netflix, and find his own cartoons, this was <laughs> amazing, so t- Saving me half day of my life, like, <laughs> oh, can you put down that chapter that he fights and that there is a volcano, so I don't know what, it so, and it's not that one, it's that one, so, now you're gonna choose your own cartoon, <laughs> fine? Okay, okay, so, but it's a good thing, but there's the other side, because he's, when he's in front of his TV or in front of the TV, he's done. He doesn't pay attention to anyone else doesn't matter how important the thing is. He's just like, he doesn't pay attention to me anymore. So he's just hypnotized by the voices that come from the TV. He doesn't pay attention to, to his father anymore. So as a good daddy, I take the remote control and <laughs> he starts to cry and, and say, no, no, turn on the TV. and no, 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 have to pay attention to what I'm trying to say to you. It's very important. Let's have a, a shower. Let's have a dinner. Let's, let's go to the restroom. I don't want you your underwear get wet. So your Spider-Man underwear, underwear is a new one. So he's, he's fine. He's learning a lot. So I'm te- why I'm telling you this? Because there are voices in our head all the time, every day. They try to distract us from what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to drive us away from the purpose of God or the purpose of, that God has for our lives. Do you know what I mean? So in, for many times we don't pay attention to our Father anymore. We are so connected with the technology, with our cell phones, with the TV, with the things that are around us that we cannot hear God's voice anymore. And we're going to talk about this today, about the voice that tries to shut us up. And the first voice is voices of threats and defiance. So, you know, uh, our opponent, he used um, threats to bring doubts and fear to our hearts. Because he knows that he has powerful weapons on his hands. That he can use and defeat us, if you allow it. And because of that, uh, he wants to scare us off and drive us away from the purpose of God. The enemy wants to lose us, wants us to make lose heart. He wants to see us dismayed and terrified. I don't know what uh, the enemy or your opponent is talking to you. Or whispering in your ears. I don't know what he's talking to you. Or try to to encourage you. Or threaten you. Maybe in your workplace. You're not going well there. Or you have trouble with your co-workers. Or with your boss. And you maybe start to doubt. Maybe this is not the place for me. Maybe this is not the, the right position. So with the doubt. The enemy brings fear. Oh, maybe... Are gonna get fired i would be fired the one be fired, or maybe is your marriage is falling off it's going downhill so you don't know what to do and you start to to think you start to doubt in your heart maybe this is not the right person for me you don't, you don't even like get your, your spouse and, and kneel before god and ask god god what's happening then enemy start to put doubts in your heart And with the doubts come the fear. I'm going to get divorced. I don't want to go to this process. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you you went to the doctor, he had like a bad news for you. And you start to doubt, maybe God cannot heal me anymore. This is impossible. And you go to the Google, to Dr. Google, say, wow, people... Paula has a friend, she, all the time she, she goes to the Google and says, ah, I have this spot on my arm, I, I, I think I'm going to lose my arm. <laughs> so, no, you're not. Pray to God. So, he put doubt, and with the doubt, he brings fear. You just read, For four days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Day after day, morning and night, the enemy comes to our heads, whispering things, try to threaten us, try to bring fear in our hearts. For How long these voices are in your head? For 40 days, for a month, a week, 10 years, a day, I don't know for how long these voices are in your head, threatening you, accusing you. And I'm going to give you an example because the Bible is full of examples of men and women of God that went through the same process, same difficulties. I want to talk about Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, full of presence of God. That's fine. Full of prayer. Uh, the presence of God, but in First in King 18, what happened is no, 18, just hold on. <laughs> Good. <laughs> on chapter 18, he challenged the prophets, Baal, right? Baal. He challenged them and said, Let's play, let's do something fun here, okay? You build up your altar. And you put your your offering, your um, sacrifice. You put the sacrifice on top of the altar, but you do not put fire on it. And you pray to your gods to bow. Let's see if he answered. And I do the same. Okay. So these guys, like just 450 prophets of Baal, start to cry, start to pray, start to cut themselves with the sword, start to cut themselves with uh, spears and start to lay on the floor, do whatever. So, I don't know what they did, but they did bad things there. (laughs) So, yeah, Elijah said, yeah, okay, that's fine. What is the fire? Nothing. So, Elijah took, rebuilt the altar, put 12 stones representing the, the tribes of Israel, Took the, the sacrifice, sacrifice, in pieces, put on top of the altar, and asked, "Put some water on it. Just put some water." And he he did, he dug some some a trench, around trench right around the the um, the altar. Said, "Put water. Let's fill it up with water." And he just prayed, "God, I know you're God. Just show these people that you're God. You're the truly God." And fire from the, the just fell down and consumed everything. The altar consumed the water, the stones, the sacrifice. So Elijah said, okay, get these guys and kill them. And they took the 450 prophets of Baal and killed them. So on chapter 19 now, look what happened. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and for his life. So, I don't understand. On chapter eighteen, he defeated like four hundred fifth prophets of Baal. But on chapter nineteen, because a woman was threatening him, he runs for his life. Sometimes I do the same thing, really. When sometimes when Paula threats me, I run <laughs> for my life. But it's not the case here, right? So, in. in When he was running away, when he was running away from his life, in the middle of the way, he stopped and said, God, take my life. I don't look, I don't face these things anymore. I'm tired, God. I'm so exhausted. So I don't live anymore. Take my life, God. And he ran away and he hid himself in a cave. But guess what? God said to him, come on. The cave is not your place. Get out of the cave. Go back to the city. God has something better for you. You cannot shine your light inside of the cave. You cannot win your battles inside of the cave? And my question is today: Are you in a cave? Are you in a cave? Are you hiding yourself for threats, from threats? In defiance, are you hiding yourself from? You don't want to face your battles anymore. I don't know. Maybe you ask God, "God, take my life. I don't want to live this on this situation anymore. It's too hard for me. I don't want this anymore." The cave is not your place. God is call, calling you to leave the cave and shine. God has much more for you than a cave. So what happened is David took some food because his father, Jesse, Jesse, said, go to the battlefield, take this bread and cheese, take your, it to, to your brothers and bring me some news. I want you to know them. If then, I want you to know if they are good, if they are okay. So go to the battlefield. And David obeyed his father. took took the food and ran to the battlefield, and he left the food with a a, a person responsible for the food. He ran to his brother and said, How are you guys? What's happening here? Are you okay? And when he was talking to his brothers, Goliath came out of the Philistine lines. And he just shouted, His usual defiance. So he heard they heard the giants like just threatening the army of God. And the second voice that we're going to talk today is the voices of accusation. Look what happened First Samuel 1728. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, "Why have you come down here?" And with whom did you leave those few ships in the wilderness? I know how conceit you are and how weak your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Because David started asking the, the, the soldiers, What's going on? Who is this man that's, that's challenging, that's defying the, the arm of the living God? Who is this circumcised? So his brother came to him. I know. I know you. I know how weak your heart is. I know how conceived you are. You came here just to, to, to watch the battle. The second voice, a voice the, the, the accusation, to try to disqualify us from what God wants to do through our lives. Do you understand me? I'm I'm clear or are you good with my accent? So he tried to disqualify us from what God wants to do through our lives. So what are you doing here? I know how bad you are. I know how weak your heart is. I know your sins. I know your, your past. I know what you have done like in your past. You have no right to be here. The enemy will always want to show our weakness. He will always want to convince us that there is no forgiveness to us, for us. Sorry, but the Bible says, if you really confess with all our hearts to our God, He's faithful to forgive us and to bring a new life to us. You know, people use like, "Oh, God can erase your sin from the paper." But I think when he erased the scenes from the paper, we use a eraser, we still can see the marks of the pen, right? Or the pencil. But what God does, He just throw the old paper away. He gives a new brand, a brand new paper to you, so you can write a new story in your life. Amen. So why these voices are coming to my my head, coming back all the time, accusing me, saying that I'm not good, knows about my past, because sometimes we don't confess with all our hearts. We like to hide things. We like to hide things from our brothers and sisters. We like to hide things from our pastors, from our friends. Because we think if we hide things from people, we are hiding things from God. But you cannot hide things from God. He knows everything. He knows the deepest of our hearts. You know, one thing that I, that I love here and I learned to love here is my closet. I love it because in Brazil we don't have closets; we have just wardrobe, right? Wardrobe. Yeah. So we had dream like maybe if I have a a big house, maybe I can make a room like uh, a, a, a closet, so I can put my, my only one, like my, my suit there, the only one that I use just for weddings. <laughs> All my, t-shirt, my t-shirts. So, but I love like closets here. And I live in a very small apartment, but my closet is, is big. <laughs> That's true. I, I could live in my closet. Because sometimes when I'm practicing or when I'm practicing my guitar, I go to my closet, I, I plug my. It's true, I'm not joking. I, I, isn't it? So I plug my guitar, I put my pedals and my music sheet on the floor and my Bible, and I stay like three hours inside of my closet. This is amazing. But I learned something else. When someone knocks on my door or calls me, say, I'll be there five minutes. Everything that I have in my living room, I put in my closet. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes we took like clothes, for, uh, clothes from uh, the dryer, put on, to- on top of the sofa on, on the sofa. And I have toys all over. I have the, the guitars. We have the boxes from Amazon, and it was a mess. So by someone just knocking my door, I'll phone, oh, can I have a coffee with you? I'll be there in five minutes. Oh, so, psh- I throw everything in my closet. Do you know why? Because a visitor cannot go to my closet and open the door. A guest cannot go there and open my closet. And when the, pep- the person end, get inside of my living, he say, "Wow, you are very tidy, very neat, <laughs> very well decorated." Because he didn't open my closet. Why I'm, I'm telling about the closet? Because Jesus, he's not a visitor. This is, he's not a guest. He wants to dwell in our hearts. He wants to live in our hearts, in our house, in our hearts. Yesterday, I helped a friend to move from one floor to the other floor, in the same building. But he sent a message, like, and, and, and the night before, saying, oh, my, my new apartment is a mess, it's so dirty. There's cockroaches all over. I have to clean my, my, my new apartment. So the first thing that we do when we go to a new house, you clean the house, right? So when you invite Jesus to live in your house, when you invite Jesus to go to your heart and live in your heart, the first thing he wants to do is clean your house. And guess what? He's going to open your closet. He's going to see all the mess that you have there. All the dirt things, all the smelly things, all the few things that you're hiding from people. You cannot hide from him. Is everything there. You don't know what's amazing? He starts to put everything that you have that doesn't work for you anymore. He starts to put in this big bag. He starts to put like all your, your, your weakness or your sins or your filthiness. Your, I don't know all the words that you're going to use in English to do it, to say this. But put all the, the bad things there. He make it this big bag and maybe you can. You think, oh, maybe I can help Jesus, right? Jesus, I can take this bag outside, okay? I'm going to put it on the trash bin. I can do that, Jesus. I can help you. And you say, no, no, no. I can take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to put on my, my back. I'm going to carry your, ba- your, your big bag of trash and messy your things. And I throw it away that you cannot find it. You cannot find it anymore. Do you know why? Because sometimes we want to open the bag and say, "Let me see if I can save something here." Because we're like that, or maybe I don't. I don't. These things, like just throw away this this little thing. It's just a little thing. No one. It's just like a pet, right? It's just my little pet. <laughs> it's my, my sin. So you keep feeding it. You keep giving food to it. And these little pet, you become a lion. It's going to kill you. That's true. That's why Jesus said, don't touch it. I can take it away. I can throw it away that in a place that you cannot find it anymore. So Jesus wants you to clean your your closet. Jesus can live want to live in your heart. Jesus want you Jesus want to live in your in your clean house and now. So the story continues when when David was like so upset with that giant saying that things and he starts to say it's not possible this, this guy coming and, and start to, to, to say these things to the army of the living God. And he, he was overheard. And someone went to, to, to Saul and, and just told Saul, so, look, there's a boy there. Speak something like really weird things about God. He's, about, he's just a boy. And so bring this guy here. Bring this little one here. I want to talk to him. So, uh, 1 Samuel 17, 32, 33, says, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. So replied, Are you not able to go against this Philistine and fight him? You are only a young man he has been a warrior for his youth. Do you know why? Do you know why? Every time that we stand to face our situations, voice comes to us saying, you're too small. You're too weak. You cannot fight this battle. Look at the, how big is your problem. Look how big is this situation. He's threatening you. He's accusing you. Now have no chance this is the third voice that I want to talk to you this morning it's the voice of discouragement and disapproval every time that we stand, to try to fight against our, our situations it's like this, you're too small it's not, gonna, it's, not it's not gonna work how, look how small you are it's better you stay in your place. You don't belong here. You don't belong to the army of God. Go back where you come from and stay there. Why did you volunteer to help at the church? Why did you volunteer to, to be in a prayer team or in the, the worship team or help Pastor Ellis with something or help with the kids? Why did you volunteer? You're too small. You're too weak. There's people more prepared than you. There are people more like, there are uh, for 10 years, 20 years at the church, in the church, so you just arrived, you're just a new Christian. You're too weak. You won't win this battle. It's better to stay in your place. I think your call is just to warm up the, the chairs of the church. So in one year, you'll be warm up like 365 chairs, Right? I think this is your calling, just to warm up chairs in the church. I want to read something with you. Mark 10, 46-48. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Many rebuked him. Look, many rebuke him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Even if the people are rebuking you, are saying to you, be quiet in your place. No, shout all the more. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He knew that Jesus was passing by. The voice that tried to shut you up, you have to cry to Jesus all the more. You don't, you don't know what's going to happen? You see again. You see that your place is not in a cave, you see that your place is not hiding yourself. You see that your place is in the battlefield. Can you see that? Can you see that this morning? That your place is not in a cave. Your place is in a battlefield. I don't know what battle we're facing now. You see that your place in the army of God. Both. But in the end, like David convinced Saul that he was able to do it, he said, "Look, I fought uh, like a lion, and God saved me from the lions, the paw of lion or paw and a bear. So I know that God is gonna set me free and save me from the sword of this man, of this giant. So let me go. I'm ready." And so said, "Go." In the story, you know that he. He put a, 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 a heavy armor on him. Said, "No, no, I can't. I can go with armor. This armor is too heavy for me. I'm not used to this." So he went just with five stones, his sling. I want to read this with you. First Samuel 17:48 is the last thing they're gonna read with you. Okay? So, as the Philistine. Move closer to attack him. Listen, as the Philistine move, moved closer to attack him, David didn't run away. David ran, but he ran to face his giant. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Do you understand that? While, you, while your problem, your difficulties, your, your, your giant is Is walking to hurt you, to attack you. So you have to run to him. There's a battle line. You have to cross this battle line. I'll tell you something. Uh, uh, I have a a brother. He's a young brother. But my young brother is taller and stronger than me. That's not very difficult to find, someone like stronger and taller than me. But my brother is... Stronger and taller than me, and um, and we grew up like in a neighborhood where we have some friends, and some uh, we had this we had this have this boy like, on the neighborhood that we like to used to play with him, and I knew that he hate his uh, nickname. His nickname was a uh, tadpole. Do you know who is tadpole, the 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 baby frog, tadpole? So I knew he hated. But we are just kids, like seven, eight years old. I don't remember exactly. But I was in the street, like, looking for someone to play with me. And I saw this guy, this boy. And I, I run to him. And guess what I did? Like, I just left him on his back. Paul. Tad he said, he looked at me with his eyes, like, red. And he jumped on top of me, kicking me and punching me. He was, like, older than me. He was like beating me up like he's beating me so bad but what it's like taking I think seconds be, but for me it was like ages and then what happened uh, is suddenly something changed because without don't ask my brother just stepped in on this fight my brother my big my younger brother just stepped in on this on this fight and get, I, I bet you are thinking now, oh, but it's not fair, because now it's two against one, right? No, it's not what happened, because as soon as my, my brother stepped in, I stepped out, and started to watch them. <laughs> and my brother didn't know what, I, what, what this fight about was Fight about. But I know that my brother was fighting my fight. My brother was fighting my battle. And I think, I'm just telling you this, because God does the same thing without asking anything. When you are, the situations are beating us, like so ba- beating us so bad, when the accusation, with the sorrows, when the, the shame, when the, when the, the threats are so, are so big, don't run away. Do not run away because God is going to step in. So you'll be able to step out and watch your victory. i just ask you something. Can you stand up with me? Please, if you can. And I want you to close your eyes. Because sometimes we, we get too distracted with people around us. You get too distracted with the person that is next to us. Please, I want you to close your eyes. I want to do exercise with you now. I want you to imagine this battle line, this battle line. Your opponent is on the other side of the hill, and you are on this side with the army of God. But no one wants you to run to cross the battle line. But this morning, I want you to imagine you like running, not walking. Because the enemy is walking to kick you, to beat you, to punch you, to hurt you. He's walking towards you, but you want—I want you to imagine that you are running towards this, this situation, this, these problems, these voices that are accusing you, are threatening you. God. Look inside our hearts today, Lord. I want you to imagine that maybe you are Bart Mills this morning. You have your eyes closed and you cannot see anything. You cannot see a light, you cannot see a way out. You are blind. But I want you to know that Jesus is passing by, He's walking here this morning. So you want to shout, I want you to shout to Him and say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. I cannot face these situations anymore. Have mercy on me. Jesus, come, work on my heart, Lord. Give me strength, give me the, the right weapons, Lord, to fight this battle. I know that it's not with swords, it's not with spears or javelins, but I know that's by your power, by your spirit, Lord, we want to run towards this Lord, towards this giant. Come on, church! Open your mouth. You are batting males this morning. No one, no one is looking at you. Maybe you have no freedom to pray in your workplace. You have no freedom to to pray in your house because your parents are not Christians or your your roommate is not a Christian. So you you you, you always close your mouth. You don't you don't pray to God. Or sometimes you you are so shy to to raise your voice and say, God, have mercy on me. I need you, Lord. I don't want this anymore. I don't want this situation anymore, Lord. Have mercy on me. He's going to heal you. He's going to carry you in His arms. He's going to fight your battle. He's going to defeat your enemy. Or oh, the voice of accusation, the voice that tries to, to drive you out from the purpose of God. He has something for you this morning, my brother, my sister. Just open your mouth. Just open your mouth, confess. Open your mouth, and cry out for Him. Cry to Jesus, cry out to Jesus. Because He's a way maker, a miracle worker. That's who you are, Lord. That's who you are, Lord. A way maker, miracle worker. God a promise. Light in the darkness. He's the only light that you can see this morning. Maybe you're living in a darkness. He's the light. He's the light. He's the light. Maybe you cannot see Him. But you know his voice. You know his voice. You know we are teaching Pedro to pay attention to the important things. We are teaching Pedro to forget and get, get, get out of the distractions. And start to listen to his father's voice. Are you listening to your father's voice this morning? Take all the distractions. Just listen to your father's voice. He won't talk to you. He's talking to you. He's carrying you in his arms. He's going to step in to your battle, your your fight so you can step out. Just watch your victory.
1: I want to encourage you guys today. Some of you right now, you really could use some prayer. There's some people around the room that are going to be available to you to pray. Uh, they'll have some lanyards on their neck that are identified for you to go to. So you can call out and say what it is that you feel like that you are up against, that you're needing the strength to, to not just fight, but to run towards it. Um, others of you in here right now, you need to let this just marinate on you as truth. Um, you have heard it this morning and you know that you now need to be responsible to act upon it. So make sure that we take this time today to respond because if we don't feel the safety of advancing in this space, what's the likelihood of you feel like you're going to advance in a place that is not designed for you to feel the freedom to pray or not designed for you to feel the freedom to call out your enemy. You know, This is a place where we have the safety of doing that, and we must take advantage of that with one another. And others of you, this is an incredible time for us to remember what Christ has done for us. That's why we have the Lord's table as a part of our gathering. This is a time for you and I to realize when Jesus advanced on our behalf and took on a giant that we couldn't defeat, uh, the sin that was entrapping us, um, we come to a table to celebrate his body broken, his blood that was poured out, so that you and I could walk in forgiveness, have our sins forgiven. But we also need to be proclaimers of this truth. We can't just benefit from our faith. We must announce to other people that Christ is Lord of all. And so the Lord's table is a practice time for us. We can come together in the safety of this face and look at one another in the face and say, this is his body that was broken for you. And we can hear that spoken to us and we can say it to other people. But it's also a time for us to be able to look at: this is his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. We've got to get to the place where those words roll out of us naturally. It's an incredible opportunity for us to participate in something sacred and remember the sacredness of God's great love for us, but also to step into, I've got to let this become a part that flows out of me. So let's sing, let's pray, let's respond. Let's use this as a time to advance against the Goliaths in our life.